to the book of John, chapter 18, and we're continuing our study in John's gospel, and we're coming down to the second of the uh, two most important events in the history of the world, the second and third most important events in the history of the world. I believe that the three of the most important events in the world are, number one, that Jesus was born. And that's certainly very important. And even if you're not a Christian, if you don't know anything at all about God, you know how significant the birth of Jesus was because even people who don't know him know that time is divided between B.C. and A.D., before Christ and Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. And then the second most important event in history, and I'm not necessarily saying that these are in order, only the order of their occurrence, and that's the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And of course, when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the sin debt, the penalty for all who would trust in him. And then the third most important event would, of course, be the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Because if Jesus had not risen, the Bible tells us that we would still be in our sins. And so the birth of Christ and the death of Christ wouldn't mean anything at all if Jesus had not come out of the grave. But as we study the Gospel of John here, we see that every movement that Jesus took to go to the cross was very carefully orchestrated. All of it fit within the already predetermined plan of God. Peter said something very significant as he was preaching on the day of Pentecost. He said, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Two weeks ago in our study, we talked about Uh, Jesus standing before the Jewish authorities. And we were able to examine the evidence in his trial. And we find that there was no just cause for which Jesus should have been put to death. There was no reason to crucify him. False charges were brought against him. None of those could be substantiated. And the Jews broke with their very own clear laws about judicial conduct when they condemned Jesus to death. But as we know, the Jews didn't have authority in capital cases. We'll read that this morning. Uh, It was not lawful for them to put a man to death. Only the Romans could do that. And so that meant that Jesus had to appear in a Roman trial before Roman authorities. And that's what we're going to read about today. And we're going back to the same verses that we read two weeks ago. And we're going to read about Jesus appearing before Uh, the Roman governor, Pilate. I'd like you to stand with me, please, as we read God's word. And we're looking at John chapter 18, beginning with verse number 28. John 18, verse number 28. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas. And of course, Caiaphas was the high priest of the Jews. They led him into the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. And you may remember I commented on that verse that here the Jews had ceremonially been cleansed for the Passover observance, and they were not about to go into Pilate's judgment hall because he was a Gentile. That would mean that they would be defiled. And what an amazing thing that is, that they had just condemned a just man to death. And they were taking him there so Pilate could make the same judgment. And yet they said they didn't want to be defiled. Verse number 29, Pilate then went out unto them. That's because they wouldn't go into the judgment hall. So Pilate went out unto them and said, What accusation bring you against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a male factor, if he were not a criminal, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. 
The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful that we should put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Now you might circle that verse because that's very important in our message today that this is what Jesus said would be done. And so Jesus is in control right here. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests had delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. And actually, if you read the other Gospels, that is the fourth time that Pilate said that there was no fault in Jesus. Verse number 39, But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word. We praise you, Lord, for Jesus Christ, who came into this world to rescue sinners such as we are. We ask you, Lord, that you might bless in the preaching and the message today. Speak to hearts today and help us to see that we need to make the right choices concerning Jesus Christ. Bless in this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The text of my message today is in verses 39 and 40. And this is where Pilate says, But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover... Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Now we've seen the evidence already against Jesus in the trial before the Jews. And there we saw that the Jews had really no just cause to put Jesus to death. They came up with a charge of blasphemy, and that was the final charge the Jews laid against him. And that's because they said that Jesus claimed that he was equal with God. Well, for Jesus to claim that, that was a capital offense for the Jews. The Jews uh, in old times would have put somebody to death if they claimed to be God, if there was blasphemy. But when they came to the Romans, that was not a cause for the Romans to put him to death. The Romans cared nothing at all about the charge of blasphemy. And so Jesus had to be accused of another crime. And so he was instead accused in the Roman trial of being a king. And if he were a king, then that meant that he must be a rival to Caesar. So Pilate asked him in verse number 33, Art thou the king of the Jews? But Pilate already knew that whatever answer that Jesus would give, that there was still no cause to put him to death. And that's because there had been no evidence at all that Jesus had actually done anything wrong. There was no evidence that he had tried to to incite people to rebel against the Roman government. And so Pilate knew that Jesus was not guilty, and that's why he said, I find no fault, or I find in him no fault at all. 
But that verdict that Pilate said, not guilty, that was not the verdict that the people wanted. That was not what the crowd was seeking. And so they were determined that Jesus would die. And so what Pilate did next was to break all of the precedents of Roman justice. He broke his own laws just as the Jews had done with the Jewish law. Now, it seems incredible to us today that that the two best legal systems that the world had ever seen were involved here, and yet they did exactly the same thing. How could these, these laws, I mean, how could these people trying Jesus, how could this thing disintegrate into an unjust action? But that's exactly what happened. And the Old Testament scriptures had already prophesied that this would be the outcome. Now, we look at it today and, and we wonder, how can it happen? And yet we see that there are choices made every single day in which people claim that Jesus is guilty. And we claim Jesus uh, should be condemned to death just as the Roman and the Jewish authorities did. But I want to turn your attention now to a very unusual development that we find in this story. John records it in just two verses. And yet this is something that's recorded in all four gospel accounts. So it's a very important story. And this is the story of Barabbas and how that Barabbas was set free and Jesus took his place. Now I want you to notice, first of all this morning, that there was the people's choice. Because the people made a choice here. When they were faced with a direct question of whether they would crucify Jesus or release and release Barabbas, the people made their choice. And they said to Pilate, crucify Jesus and let Barabbas go free. Well, we know who Jesus is, don't we? But who is Barabbas? And that's a very good question. Who is Barabbas? I don't think that any of us would dispute that Jesus is the central character of the Bible. That's Jesus. I mean, God gave us this book. He gave us this wonderful book to tell us all about how that Jesus would come into the world and how that Jesus would be a sacrifice for sins. And since the invention of the printing press, the Bible has been the most printed book in the history of the entire world. And every year, the Bible ranks up right next to the top of all the bestseller lists of the books that are printed every year and bought every year. And the Bible is what? It's a story about Jesus. And then in addition to the Bible, we have millions of books that are written every year that, that explain things about what Jesus did. And whether you're for him or against him, there are books that are written on, every, on either side. And, and so it's apparent to us, we know this, Jesus is the most famous person in all the history of the world. And yet the person that they chose was not Jesus. Now there's not very much that we know about Barabbas. In fact, what we know about him is recorded in, in just a few, a few short verses in the gospel accounts of what happened in this one incident. In the Bible, we never find that Barabbas ever spoke a word. There is no recorded words of Barabbas in the Bible. There are no positive statements that are made about Barabbas. We don't find even one single good deed that Barabbas ever did. We don't find one person that Barabbas ever helped. And yet the one that they crucified was Jesus. They chose Barabbas. Now Mark tells us why Barabbas was in prison. In the Gospel of Mark, he writes, Now at that feast, 
he released unto them a prisoner whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. So Barabbas had been put into prison because he hated the Romans. And in an attempt to overthrow the Roman government, he created an insurrection. And in that insurrection, he committed murder. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, about Barabbas being in this prison, that the sentence against Barabbas was a proper sentence. Barabbas had been put into jail for a just cause. He was there for the right reasons. And there would never be anyone who would argue that the reason that Barabbas was in jail was unfair. We would never say that he was put there unjustly. Because we know insurrection, uh, insurrection against the government, trying to overthrow it, murder. Those are reasons why people ought to be put in jail. And I suppose that if you were to go and you could pull his mother in and ask her what she thought about it, that his mother would say, well, yes, he's my boy. That's my son. He was a sweet little baby. He was a mischievous child. That's true. I love him, but I can't defend his actions because he did the wrong thing. None of us would defend Barabbas. It was right for him to be in that jail. Now, as we think about Barabbas, and I do want you to think about him and why he was there, I want you to also think about us. Barabbas was a lawbreaker. There's no question about it. He should have been in that jail. But we need to look at ourselves and understand that we also have broken laws. We're also lawbreakers. Now, maybe we haven't broken Roman laws, but what we have done, we have broken God's law. The Bible says that we are all sinners, None of us can say that we aren't sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we've all broken laws. And the laws that we've broken, folks, are are far more serious than the laws of the Roman government. We've broken the laws of the God of this universe. We've rebelled against him. And so the result of that is that we were justly condemned by God's law. Justly condemned to a place called hell. And you know, there's not one person who could ever complain that God was unjust in that. That God is unjust that he should send one soul to hell. Or that God should send all souls to hell. Because all of us are guilty. All of us have committed crimes against God. Now maybe you don't like to hear that today. And in most pulpits this morning across our country. And probably right here, as I say it in Roanoke Park. You're not going to hear too many preachers that will tell you that you and I are justly condemned to hell. But that's exactly the truth. Recently, I heard a man say that it was unjust not for God. For God, I should say, not to give all people a chance to be saved. He said it's unjust well, salvation, first of all, doesn't come by chance. But I want you to understand that, that that is the same thing as saying that it would have been unjust for the Roman government to condemn Barabbas and not to give him the chance to go free. Folks, the sentence against Barabbas was proper. They should have put him to death. I mean, he was a guilty man. Justice was served. And I want to tell you that every time that a lost sinner dies and goes to hell, justice is served. Now, you may say, well, pastor, that's awful harsh. I mean, God's a God of love. God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. And I want you to know, I never said that God delights to send people to hell, that God delights in the, in the, um, in the death of the wicked. But I can tell you something, though. God does delight in the exercise of justice. And so if it's just and right to send somebody to hell, then that's exactly what God will do. 
I want you to notice also, though, it was a proper sentence, but this sentence was passed. I mean, this was a sentence that had already been passed. And what I mean is, this, this was a foregone conclusion that this sentence was going to be executed. That there are no appeals here. The sentence had already been handed down. Barabbas had already been declared a criminal. They said he, he must die. And the only thing that Barabbas is waiting for right now is the day of his execution. He's not waiting for a trial. The trial's already over. He, he's not ready to, to go into the government's rehabilitation program. He wasn't waiting for that. Barabbas was not going to go out on work release. No, the, the sentence had been determined. He committed the crime, and so there's only one thing left for the Romans to do with Barabbas. He's headed for a cross. Barabbas is going to go to a cross, and that's where Barabbas will die. Now, I also want you to see yourself in that picture Because the Bible says that all of us are headed for judgment. There's nobody who's going to escape judgment. But you know, there's some people who have it in their minds that they're going to stand before God and they will be able to make arguments with God. And they'll be able to say to God that I'm going to show my case here. I'm going to show God that I've really done some pretty good things. I'm not such a bad person after all. I certainly don't deserve to be condemned to hell. And they think they're going to argue this. Well, friend, if you think that, you're sadly mistaken. Because when you stand before God, there aren't going to be any defense lawyers. If you don't know Jesus, there are no defense lawyers. You're not going to be able to look over to your defense team of F. Lee Bailey and Johnny Cochran and say to them, get me off of this charge. You're not going to be able to do that. And you know why? It's because the sentence has already been passed. The determination has already been made. The trial's over. Do you know that the Bible tells us that the moment that we came out of our mother's womb, that we were already headed for destruction? In the book of Psalms, verse 58, the psalmist said, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Now you say, well, that's Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. It's different in the Old Testament. Jesus came and Jesus changed all of that. We don't go by the Old Testament laws anymore. Now what we have is a God who's a God of love. He's a God of peace. He's a God of serenity. And God would never condemn a single soul to hell. Well, if you think that, then you need to listen to the words of Jesus himself. Because Jesus said in John three eighteen, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but... He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Condemned already. The sentence has already been passed. And if you don't know Jesus, the only thing that you're waiting for, your life is just a time of waiting for your execution. Now, I don't want to rain on your parade today. I mean, it's a beautiful Sunday morning, and and I hate to rain on your parade, but this is what the Bible tells you, that if you don't know Jesus Christ, that tomorrow for you could be just as bleak as the darkness of hell. But I want you to understand here, Barabbas is headed for crucifixion. There's no question about what's going to happen to him. The only question for Barabbas is when, because it's coming. Barabbas was going to die. He was going to that cross and the trial, the sentence was passed and there's only one thing to wait for is when is it going to happen? And I'll tell you that if you don't know Jesus, it's not a question of if. It's not a question of maybe because it's coming. 
Judgment is coming. There's not a single person here who knows the day of your death. It's going to happen. And when it does happen, if you don't know Jesus, the Bible says you'll die and you'll go to hell. We don't know when it's going to happen. You're just waiting. Now, everybody here, I, can, I don't know when the day of your death is, but I do know this. You're closer to death than you've ever been before right at this very moment. So the people's choice here is Barabbas. He's a murderer. He's a seditionist. And they chose him rather than choosing Jesus. But I want to go on here today, and I also want to talk to you about Pilate's choice, because Pilate also made a choice. Now, I wish I, I had some time today to go into the details about the kind of man that Pilate was, because secular history tells us that Pilate was not a noble character. Pilate was one who gained his position in the Roman government through uh, nepotism. It was because of marriage, because of who he was married to. He had connections, and that's how, that's how a Pilate got into his government post. Now, Pilate had already committed very serious, egregious errors as he governed Judea. And uh, by all rights, probably Pilate should have already been removed from his office because of the many uh, wrong things that he had done. And so we look at Pilate, and, and knowing his background, and knowing the character of the kind of man that he was, we would never expect that in this trial that Pilate would try to give justice. I mean, Pilate, with the kind of man that he was, what he would do is say, well, why do I want to be bothered with this whole thing? Just give the people what they want. Do what the people want. We'll just crucify him and let it be done with. Let it be over with. Let's go through the motions. Give him a trial. We have to do that. But let's let him be crucified. Now, the remarkable thing about this is, though, that Pilate did try to give justice. He examined Jesus. He saw through the falsity of those Jewish claims, and he was determined that he ought to release him. And that's why he said, I don't find any fault in him. He needs to go free, and, and Pilate would have set him free. You know, there's a lot of argument about why Pilate, who was such an evil man himself, and the kind of background that he had, why did Pilate try to give justice? I mean, that's not what we expect. Why did he try to do the right thing? Well, we have an interesting note about this in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 27, maybe we can get some insight into this. Because it says, Now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him, or it was no just cause. But listen to verse 19. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Pilate's wife had a dream about Jesus. Now we might think, well, that's surely insignificant. She had a dream? Well, I have all kinds of crazy dreams. I mean, I eat pizza before I go to bed, and I have all kinds of crazy dreams. So why, why think about what, what uh, Pilate's wife had to say to him? But you know, that's not the way that Pilate looked at this. Because the dreams can, or the, the Romans considered dreams to be serious. They took the matter serious. They considered these things to be omens. And so when Pilate heard about this dream and, and, and he heard about this warning from his wife, he got to thinking about this and he thought, well, maybe I better pay a little bit more attention to what's going on here. I need to make a right kind of judgment. And so he considered, what kind of judgment should I render? He thinks, I need to do the right thing. Now, you ought not to judge Pilate so harshly because he reacted to a dream. 
You know, you look at what our politicians do today, and you surely think they must be dreaming by some of the things that they do. So don't criticize Pilate for it. But Pilate tried to do what was just. He tried to make a right choice. But what happened here? Well, first, Jesus died despite the witnesses. Pilate said, Pilate's wife said, he's a just man. But you know, her testimony probably doesn't carry much weight with us. It's not very convincing. She didn't know very much about Jesus at all. She she barely knew him if she knew him at all. But what she did know, that everything that she'd seen, she hadn't seen that he did anything wrong. I mean, all the evidence points that he's not a wrongdoer. Uh, All through this whole thing, all the trials, it's all pointing in the direction of vindication. He's never done anything wrong. And you think about those who could testify for him. Think about his disciples. If anybody could testify to Jesus and what he did, it would be the disciples, wouldn't it? I mean, here are the disciples. They walked with him for three years. They rubbed shoulders with him. They were there with Jesus. And if anybody could see inconsistencies in his life and they could see that Jesus was not what he claimed to be, then it would be the disciples, wouldn't it? I mean, the disciples were there for the roller coaster rides to the very tops of the heights of praise for things that Jesus had done. And the disciples were there for the lowest valleys that Jesus went through. They were there for the persecutions. They were there for the unjust charges. They were there for insults. They were there for injury. They saw everything that happened to Jesus. And yet not one time did they ever have doubt that Jesus was not who he said that he was. And so if there was anyone who could tell that Jesus had faults, surely it would have been the disciples. They watched his life, they heard his words, and they knew that if there's anything wrong, we would be able to see it. And yet you you don't find one of those disciples who said, we find fault with Jesus. They found no fault in him. We know that the Jewish leaders really found no fault in him. We know what their verdict was. They condemned him to death, but really they found no fault in him. How do we know? Because they had to hire false witnesses. They had to bring him in on trumped-up charges. And even though they did come down to the charge of blasphemy, they knew that they had no proof for that because they said themselves, certainly, he does the works of God. One of their leaders, Nicodemus, came to him and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And so they admitted to it. And so they would have to say also, we find no fault in him. But I suppose that the most telling of all was the person who betrayed him. Because after everything was said and done, after Judas had delivered him and betrayed him in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was Judas, the betrayer, who said, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. And so Judas himself said, I find no fault in him. Now, I want to ask you a question today. Have you ever met a Christian who found fault in Jesus? Have you ever met even one Christian who said that Jesus is not all that I thought that he would be? Have you ever met a Christian who said, I'm disappointed with Jesus? He's not who he says that he is. Millions of Christians were put to death for him. Thousands and millions upon millions of Christians die every day. But have you ever heard the testimony of one single Christian who said, I'm sorry, I trusted Jesus Christ? Not one. And there's not a Christian who ever found fault in him. And, let, and yet the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached in services today. And maybe even right here as I preach it in this service this morning, that there are going to be people who will say, I don't believe in him. 
I don't trust him. He's not who he said he was. And if you go away without trusting him, that's exactly what you say. And you say, give me Barabbas and crucify Jesus. So Pilate's wife, the disciples, chief priest, Judas, Pilate himself, nobody found fault in him. And yet Jesus was crucified. How did it happen? How could this happen? Nobody found fault in him. And yet he went to the cross. How could it happen? Well, I want to show you how it happened. Because Jesus died despite the witnesses. But Jesus died demanding his willingness. You know, recently I heard that the pastor of the largest Baptist church in America, the one that claims to be the largest Baptist church in America, said this, that Jesus was not willing to go to the cross. He said that Jesus was reluctant to die. He said that Jesus was looking for a way out of it. He didn't want to go to the cross. But I want to tell you, folks, that the reason that Jesus ended up on that cross, despite the two best judicial systems in the world, and the reason that Jesus was on the cross, even though they could find no fault in him at all, and the reason that he was on the cross, despite that that what would have been right and just was to release him, to let him go, Jesus died because he commanded it to be so. John recorded what Jesus said about this very day and hour in John chapter 10. He said, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have no power to lay it down, or I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So you see, the outcome of these trials could have gone no other way. The Jews and the Romans, they did exactly what they wanted to do. But what they did worked within God's plan. And so Jesus went to the cross because that's what he came into the world to do. That was his purpose. And so Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Do you know that there's no one who knew more that he shouldn't have been on that cross than Jesus There was no one who knew more that he hadn't done anything wrong, that there was no sin in him. No one who knew it more than Jesus. And yet Jesus said, I'm going. Jesus said, I will die. And no matter what some other Baptist preacher said, Jesus did not try to avoid the cross. Mark said, or Mark records rather what Jesus said about this very thing. Jesus, before he was ready to go to Jerusalem, before he was ready to be crucified, rather, he said to the disciples, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered under the chief priests and under the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. You remember what I said, circle verse number 32? That the reason this happened is because Jesus said it would happen. Jesus already signified what death that he would die. Right here it is. This is where he signified it, where he already told them. In verse 34, And they shall mock him, Jesus said, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and listen, and shall kill him. And he shall rise, and the third day he shall rise again. Jesus knew it. Now, Peter protested that Jesus should not go up to Jerusalem. You read the rest of those scriptures, and you find out that Peter said, No, Lord, you ought not to go. You ought not to go if you think you're going to be crucified. If you're saying they're going to kill you, don't go to Jerusalem. And you know what Jesus said to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. And you know why he said it? Because he said, I'm going to the cross. I have to go to the cross. I will go to the cross. That was his mission. 
That's why he came into the world. That's what he came to do. And so Jesus went to the cross. Don't let anybody ever tell you that this is all an unfortunate accident. Mistakes were made here. There's no mistake because Jesus made the choice. He made his own choice. And it was his command that he would go to the cross. But now I want to talk to you about another choice that needs to be made. The people made their choice. Pilate made his choice. But this is the most important part of the sermon today. And that is your personal choice. Because everybody here has to make a choice. Now there was an interesting thing here about Pilate's choice. Pilate was trying to do the right thing. But in trying to do the right thing, he made a tragic mistake. And you know what he did? He miscalculated. He miscalculated the true hatred that the Jews really had for Jesus. And so was Pilate himself who made the offer. I'll release somebody to you. And he picked out the worst criminal that he could find. He found someone who was guilty of murder. Someone guilty of insurrection. And he said, I'm going to make them an offer. I'm going to offer you Barabbas. I'm going to offer you Jesus. And, and, and Pilate's thinking, there is no way they're going to pick Barabbas. I mean, look who Barabbas is. He, look at what he's done. Look, look at the sin of his life. Look what an evil man that he is. There's no way they'll pick Barabbas. Look what Jesus did. Look who he is. Look what he's done. They're not going to pick Barabbas. But he was dead wrong. They said, release unto us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. You know what Pilate did? He tried to do the right thing, but he sealed his own fate. He gave the people a choice, and the people made their choice. Why did they choose Barabbas? He's a robber. He's an insurrectionist. He's a murderer. Why did they choose him? I want to tell you why. Because the world will never choose Christ. And you know why? Because Barabbas was one of them. Barabbas was one of them, and so they chose their own. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said? He said, the world will love its own. And they won't choose Jesus because Jesus is not like them. Now, do you see the picture I'm trying to paint for you here? Do you see why a person needs Christ and why you need the power of the Holy Spirit to move a person into salvation? I want to tell you why. Because the world will never choose Christ. They'll always choose Barabbas. Now, here a choice can be made. I mean, is it a murderer or do we choose the master? Do we choose a robber or do we choose the redeemer? And they chose Barabbas. Now today, you have to make a choice as well. There's a personal choice that has to be made for everybody in this room. Now, Pilate tried to avoid his choice. He tried to just re absolve himself of responsibility. And so we read in Matthew chapter 27, it says, When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. And so Pilate said, I'm not having anything to do with it. He walked away. He said, I have no personal responsibility here. And so symbolically, he took a basin of water and he began to wash his hands before the people and said, I'm innocent of his blood. But Pilate was not innocent of his blood. Pilate was still guilty. Pilate had to make a decision and he made the wrong decision. Now, I want to ask you two questions as we close the message today. You have a personal decision. I want to ask you two questions. First one is, will you stay where you are? Are you going to remain just like you are, thinking that there's no decision to be made? You know, I've been speaking today about these people making a decision about Barabbas. You ever thought about what must have been going on through Barabbas' mind at this time? What was Barabbas thinking about? 
I mean, Barabbas hears the cries and hears the shouting that's going on outside the dungeon there. He has no idea what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on. They're out there crying against Jesus. He knows that his execution is near. He knows it's only a few minutes. The sentence has been passed. It's justly passed. Uh, The sentence is ready. Uh, The execution is ready to be made. It's the day to to kill these thieves, That the other two thieves that they're going to kill. And so Barabbas is thinking, this is my time. They're going to come and get me, and they're going to take me, and they're going to nail me to a cross. And at that moment, Barabbas hears someone walking down the dungeon... Walking down the corridor, he hears the footsteps of the, of the Roman soldiers and he thinks, now's the time. They've come to get me. They're going to crucify me. And he hears them put that key into the lock and the lock makes that noise as the key's turning in that metal lock. And he says, they've come for me. They're going to crucify me. And at that moment, he's ready to go. But then as the guard steps into the room, he says, Barabbas, you can go free. Because they're going to crucify Jesus instead of you. What do you think Barabbas thought at that moment? Do you think he said, oh, I can't believe that. That can't be true. I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to let them drag me to the cross. He, he must be dying for somebody else. He can't be dying for me. And so do you think when the guards came to release him and they took those shackles off of him that he stubbornly resisted and said, no, I'm going to sit right here. I'll stay right where I am. And do you know yet there are still people today that when the gospel is preached, this is exactly what they do. They resist. They say, it's not for me. He died for somebody else. It's not for me. And so they don't receive the pardon for their sins. Folks, I'm telling you that Jesus went to the cross and he suffered so that you would not have to face God's wrath. You would not have to face the punishment of hell. And I want to ask you something. Are you going to sit there today and say there's no decision to be made? Nothing needs to be done? The Bible clearly tells us that hell awaits when a person does not receive Christ. The second question I want to ask you is, will you say what you need? Now, do you suppose that Barabbas thought, you know something, I'm going to stay here. I committed this crime, but I'm just in committing this crime. I did the right thing. I sinned, that's no big thing, that's all right. I murdered somebody, that's okay. I did the right thing, and I'm going to stay here until Pilate comes to me personally, and he apologizes to me for having put me into this prison. And when they came to take him, he said, you know, I'm not going to go until Pilate shows up himself. I'm not going. Until Pilate says, I am sorry for the way I treated you, I'm going to sit right here. And he's sitting there thinking, I'm going to wait till somebody begs and pleads and, and, and just, just says, you know, you're not such a bad guy after all. I don't think Barabbas thought any such thing. I think when they walked in there with that pardon that Barabbas said, thank you. Thank you for the pardon. And what you have to do as a lost sinner, justly condemned to the fires of hell is to bow your head and humbly say what an old lost sinner said in the New Testament. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Every person needs to say, I need you, Lord. Take me and cleanse me. Wash me in your precious blood. You know, there's a choice to be made. Every day that you go on without Christ, that person who's an unbeliever says, crucify Jesus. Release Barabbas. Oh, he's a murderer. He's a seditionist. He's guilty, he's a thief, he's a robber. And every time that you go on without Jesus Christ and you don't receive him as Savior, every time that you choose yourself, when you choose your lifestyle, when you choose your own sin, 
What you're saying is that my way is right. I may have committed it, I may have done it, but my way is right and God is unjust to condemn me. John wrote, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, Very quickly as I finish this morning, you know, oftentimes we speak about, you've heard me preach about the substitutionary atonement. You've heard me preach about that. You've, you hear the words all the time. You come to church very long. You know about substitutionary atonement. And that means that Christ took the sinner's place. Now, there's one person in all the history of the world who could look at this and see a literal substitution in this way. Barabbas is the only one in all the history of the world who could say, Jesus actually went to a cross that was intended for me. He died on the cross that was intended for me. But I want to tell you something. It's no less true of you spiritually than it was of Barabbas physically. And that is that Jesus went to a cross to die for you. And there is substitution here. And if you believe him, I can tell you right now that Jesus was on that cross for you. Jesus was there to take the punishment of hell. Now the question is, do you want to go to the cross instead? Do you want to go be crucified on a cross? Or do you want to be released? Do you want to go to heaven? That doesn't seem like a very hard decision to make. But we all have to make the decision. And the decision is, will we choose Barabbas or will we choose Jesus? Let me tell you what Barabbas represents. He represents your own stubborn life. Barabbas represents your will. And I promise you this, your will will lead you nowhere but into the fires of hell. Don't follow your own way. The question here today is, are you going to choose Jesus or will you choose Barabbas? And I'm telling you today, you need to choose Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you for this wonderful story that we have in the Bible. And I pray, Lord, that there may not be anyone here who would read this story or listen to this message and think, this is not intended for me. I pray, Lord, that every person here would be able to see themselves in the attitudes and the actions and the awful, terrible things that Barabbas did. We see ourselves in Barabbas, and we are guilty, condemned sinners, and justly so. But Lord, also in the story, we see Jesus going to a cross that was intended for Barabbas. And we thank you, Lord, that you went to a cross that was intended for us. And I ask you that you might speak to some lost person's soul today, to speak to their heart and help them to understand what you did on that cross And the promise here is if they will believe that this was a payment that was made for them, Jesus made the payment for believers. And I hope that you would help people to understand this. Lord, bless in this invitation. Draw Christians close to you. May some Christian today be praying for somebody they know is lost who needs to hear the gospel of Christ. Lord, bless in the invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's please stand.